Gunnesti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. We tell Irish myths with music and have a chat about it in the next episode. My name is Sarika and I'm here with my brother Aaron Hegarty. This week we are listening to The Island of Eru, told by Sarika. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thank you. Go to candlelittales.ie to find out more about us or follow us on any social media at Candlelit Tales. Now, Sarika, tell us a story, will you? Ith was certain that there was a land there. As he stood at the top of the Tower of Bregon and he looked out, he could see it. He was the uncle of Mill, a great ruler in that land, and he was counted wise and he was often counselled, but he was not believed about this land that he said he could see. It did not look like a land to anybody else. It looked like a cloud. It looked like nothing. But Ith was determined. And he brought his son Lugath with him when he went on his expedition to prove to himself, if no one else, that there really was a land there. And he was sure it was a land of wonders. And he was sure it was a land of prosperity. And when they landed on that island, Ith was vindicated, and he did not gloat. He wandered wide-eyed as a child, drinking in the beauty of the place. It seemed so prosperous, so peaceful, so filled with all things wonderful. And nothing evil seemed to touch the place. Even the weather was gentle. The soft rain. The cool breezes. The kind sun smiling down. There was no harshness in any of it. The mountains themselves. Not jagged and rocky, but smooth and rounded and beautiful. And he walked until he came to the centre of the land and there he found discord. There he saw disharmony because the three kings of the Tuatidanan were quarrelling. The three sons of Kermit, son of the Dagda, held kingship over this land and for the most part they ruled well together. They agreed on most things, and what they disagreed on they could work out. But this time, this time it looked like the quarrel was going to go on and get worse, and maybe even bring them to a war. And it did not seem to Ith that it was over any great thing. They asked his advice, this stranger in a strange land. This old man with his followers and his son by his side. Because they respected his age and they assumed it conveyed some wisdom with it. And Ith told them that all they needed to do was look to their own customs and their own laws 
and their own ways, because their ways had brought them such prosperity, such a wonderful place to live, such an incredible home. And he began to speak of their home. And his words fell on suspicious ears. They did not take his compliments kindly. It seemed to the kings of the Tuatidanan that Ith spoke of the land as one who would like to take it for himself. So they believed. And they acted on that belief. When Ith went away from Tara, having told them how to dispose of the inheritance they were quarrelling over, because it was so large they could not decide how to divide it, a nice problem to have. They had him followed. They had him struck down. And Ith died on the voyage back home. His son Lugad brought his body to the kings of that land. And they decided then, the sons of Mil, nephew of Ith, that they would go and they would avenge him, and, if this island was as wonderful as Lugad said, they would take it for themselves. And so they set off. They set off in ships numbering three score and five with forty chieftains on them, among them the druid Amargan, and the kings Emmerdon, Eremon, and Eberfin, and Lugud, son of Ith. They came to the land that everyone but Ith had thought was a dream, a cloud on the horizon. And they landed and they found it just as good, just as beautiful, just as bountiful as Lugud had reported. And they began to make their way inland to find these murderous kings. But these were not the first people they found. First, they found a woman on Sleeve Mish. And Amargan went to her and he asked her her name. This woman was wild. This woman was fierce. This woman had a light in her eyes that shone like the eyes of a druid, but her body was the body of a warrior, and her weapons by her side proved it. And she told him that her name was Banba, and she was the wife of one of the three kings of the Tuatidanan. She was the wife of Makul, and she asked them to give her name always on this island. And Amargan agreed. They travelled on, and in a place called Evelyn, they met another woman, beautiful and stately, refined, delicate and feminine. And Amargan asked her name, and she said it was Fola. And she asked them 
that her name should always remain on the land. And Amargan agreed. And on they went. They went on until they came to Ishnuk, in the middle of the island, and there they saw a woman who was sometimes a woman and sometimes her form would shift and shimmer and they would see before them not a beautiful woman, but a grey crow. And when she was a woman, her beauty was transcendent. It seemed to have all the wildness of Banba, all the delicacy of Fola, both her sisters, and something more besides, something beyond. And she told Amargan her name was Eru. And she welcomed them. She said that their coming had been foretold. And their people would be on this island forever. And there is not a better island in the world. And she told them that this island should have her name forevermore. And Amargan agreed to this, to call this place the island of Eru. But on they went to find the three kings who had murdered their kinsmen. And when they met Makul and Makkekt and Makgrenya, they offered them this. A battle, or a kingship, or judgment. And the judgment of the poets of the Sons of Mill was that this land should be forfeit to them, given to them by the Tuatadannan. And so the choices for the Tuatadannan were to leave, to submit, or to fight. And some of the sons of Mill were eager for the fight. Don, son of Mill, wanted to wet his blade on the blood of those who had killed his kinsmen. Others would have been happy to see them leave. But they asked for a stay. They asked for a truce for nine days. This was what the Tuatadannan proposed, that the sons of Mill go back to their ships and wait and at the end of nine days they would have made their decision. And Amargan agreed, and he led his brothers and he led those chiefs back to their boats, back the way they had come, back to the ocean, and they pulled back, so that nine waves were breaking between them and the shore. And there they waited. But they did not wait nine days, they did not wait so long at all, because the Tuatadannan had no intention of keeping their word to these invaders. Makul and Makkekt and Makgrenya had their druids call up a storm to blow the fleet back out into the sea, to destroy it if they could, to scatter it to the four winds if they could not. The sons of Mel, when they saw this storm, fear came into their hearts, but Amargan, he had one of the men climb, climb up to the top of the mast and see if the wind was as fierce above as it was below. 
and when he called down that it was calm above, then Amrigan knew. Knew that this was magic. Knew that this was druidry. And knew, too, that he could counter it. And so he rose up. And through the storm, he faced the land itself. And he called out, I invoke the land of Eri. Much coarse be the fertile sea, fertile be the fruit-strewn mountain, fruit-strewn be the showery wood, showery be the river of waterfalls, of waterfalls be the lake of deep pools, deep pooled be the hilltop well, a well of tribes to the assembly, an assembly of the kings be Tara, Tara be the hill of the tribes, the tribes of the sons of Mill. I invoke thee, I invoke thee, I invoke thee. Island of Eru, I invoke thee, Eren. And with that, the wind stilled, the rain stopped, the storm ceased, and the sons of Mill landed. And some say a great battle was fought at Taltu, and the two Adedanan were slaughtered, and they fell before the blades of the sons of Mill, and they were driven out and driven away, and the remnant of them that survived were a broken people. And others say that when the sons of Mill came to the plain of Taltu, they saw before them the shining horde of the Tuadedanan. They saw in their ranks Banma, the warrior goddess, whose name has been given to this island by those who invoke it for war. And they saw among them Fola, the goddess of good refinement and grace, whose name has been given to this island by poets who would invoke it to culture. And they say that they saw among their hordes Eru, who was sometimes a beautiful woman and sometimes a grey crow, the goddess whose name has been on the lips of everyone who lived in this island ever since, Eren, the island of Eru. And they say that she smiled, and in the blink of her eyelashes, all of the glittering hordes of the Tuatidanan turned and stepped sideways and were gone. Gone into the other world that lies just next to this world. There, on the outside of every breath, on the other side of every moment. Still with us. In Aaron. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan and Rory O'Shea. You can find out more about us on our website, candletales.ie. And we're on all the social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get onto our mailing list.
For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with any questions, requests or comments, leave them in the section below. If you want to find out about our courses, anything like that, just drop us a line. And we especially appreciate you listening.